Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We're coming to the end of an amazing series on suffering and trials. You see, Derek, that doesn't sound very encouraging. I have enough problems already. But we're talking about suffering and trials with Christ by our side. We're talking about victory. We're talking about peace in the midst of the storm. Today, reflecting on the sufferings of Christ, not just so we'll know that he understands and empathizes, but understanding the immeasurable, unfailing love of God to work out our salvation. I'm glad you joined us for this vital study here on Hope Sabbath School. Welcome to Hope Sabbath School and welcome to the team. We've come to the end of an amazing series on suffering and trials and what a blessing it's been. We're glad you're here today. We're also glad to welcome some of our remote team members. Haiti joining us from South Carolina. Haiti, good to see you again. Sabina, Pastor Sabina joining us from British Columbia. Good to have you with us. And Travis joining us from Michigan. Travis, always good to have you as one of our Hope Sabbath School team members. And we're glad you're here too, because you are an important part of our global Hope Sabbath School family. We're always happy to hear from you, right? Yeah. Love yeah. to hear from you, uh, to see how God is blessing you through the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Festin writes to us from Malawi. That's the heart of Africa, East, East Central Africa. Festin writes and says, Greetings to you all in the name of our soon coming Jesus. Amen. We'll give him a wave. May the Lord give you strength and health and life and bless all of your activities. You are a blessing to our family. And we say, Amen. 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 Festin, thanks for writing to us. We're thankful for the well-explained and discussed Bible studies. We are always changed in our spiritual lives when we join you for Hope Sabbath School. Amen. Amen. Well, that's our prayer. Thank you, Festin, for writing to us from the beautiful country of Malawi. Here is a note from Maureen in Massachusetts. I had to turn it sideways because it's a written note. And Maureen writes and says, Thank you, Hope Sabbath School, for all you do for God's work. Just want you all to know how the program blesses me each Sabbath. Man. I love the outline. Ah, Maureen is downloading the outline <laughs> from hopetv.org slash hopess. You can all download the outline and you can use it in your interactive Bible study. She says, I love the outline. It's simple to follow. It's packed with knowledge and easy to understand. I love also the diversity of the group. All right, take a look at each other. Yep, do you look like each other? Well, a little bit. <laughs> two eyes, two ears, right? We're all children of God. We're so thankful. By the way, we, we only have one woman of God on the team in the studio, but we've got two women of God joining us, Haiti and Sabina. We're glad for both of them too. But Maureen says, I love the diversity of the group and the testimonies are always touching. Amen. Amen. I'm truly blessed. I believe many others are blessed as well. Well, Maureen, thanks for bringing some joy to our hearts, uh, writing to us uh, from Massachusetts in the United States of America. Here's a note from uh, a donor in Georgia, here in the United States. Hello, Hope Sabbath School team members. Hello. Hello. Well, the donor knows who, who it is. 
Thanks for leading us to God. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? I just get excited. And I want to use my favorite Hebrew word. Hallelujah. Because this is not about information. This is about transformation when you connect with God. Amen? Amen. Thanks for leading us to God. Hope Sabbath School is not only teaching and helping us to understand the Bible, but revealing the true God to the world. Amen. Amen. May this gift continue to help Hope Sabbath School lead people to God and His truth and a gift of $1,200 to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Amen. I just say amen. amen. Thank you, donor in Georgia, and thank you to each one of you who chooses to partner with us. You say, I want to be part of the miracle. It's a donor-supported ministry. I want to help people here and learn about a God who loves them. You can do that. Just go to hopetv.org slash hopess, click on the donate button, and we all say hallelujah. Thank you for joining us in this ministry. One last brief note, but an important one, from Elphine. She says, I live in the U.S., but I'm originally from Kenya. Thank you, Hope Sabbath School, for sharing God's Word with us every week. I'm truly blessed by listening to you, and I always look forward to each week's discussion. May God bless you all. Amen. Amen. Now, I just realized I don't know if Elphine is a man or a lady's name, but I'm guessing that you are a sister in Christ. But if you're not, send me an email, and we will correct it. But we're glad to e that each one of you is part of our Hope Sabbath School family. Have you been blessed by the theme song? Fear not, for I am with you, straight from the Word of God recorded by the prophet Isaiah. Well, if you've not downloaded the other 11 songs in our gift to you this series, Songs of Hope, 12 beautiful scripture songs, go to our website, hopetv.org slash hopess. Right in the middle of the screen is a free gift button. Click on it, and it will tell you how to download those songs. But right now, we need you to sing with us our theme song, Fear Not, For I Am With You. Let's sing together. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. right hand. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. right hand
I'm so thankful today that we can conclude this series on suffering and trials by looking at the suffering Savior. Not just so that we can see all of His suffering, but how much He loves us. Someone today will say, Jesus, will you save me? Amen? Amen. Amen. Someone today will say, Jesus, I don't want all that you did to be in vain for me. Amen. So let's pray that the Holy Spirit would work across this planet as people join us for Hope Sabbath School. Father in heaven, we know Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. The angel said, call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And the wages of sin is death. You want to rescue us from sin and death, Jesus. And we pray as we look at you, the suffering Savior, you understand suffering and trials even more than we do. And I thank you all that you suffered for us to be our all-sufficient Savior. Mm. Guide us in our study today. May someone today say, Jesus, will you be my Savior? Jesus, will you forgive my sin and give to me the gift of your eternal life? May the Holy Spirit guide us in our study, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now, I'm so thankful for the Bible, and especially for the four Gospels. Mm -hmm. You say, why? Well, there are prophecies in the Hebrew Scriptures pointing to Messiah, very detailed prophecies, all fulfilled in the life of Jesus. But the Gospels, why, they just give us a window, don't they, mm -hmm. into the life of Jesus. And in our study today, we're going to look, I hope you have your Bible with you, we're going to look at the life of Jesus from beginning mm -hmm. to the end. Well, the end of his earthly life because he rises from the grave and ascends to heaven and he's coming back soon. Somebody say amen. amen. That's really good news, isn't it? But we want to look and he was acquainted with suffering and trials yeah. and he did that for a reason and that was to work out a perfect plan of salvation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to start. Pedro, would you take us to Luke chapter 2? And verse 7, right at the beginning of his life, I mean, right at the beginning, he experiences some suffering. And let's see what that is. Luke chapter 2 and verse 7. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Luke 2, verse 7. And it says, And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in a swaddling cloth, and lay him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the end. Mm -hmm. So what's the suffering right right first day, day one? What's the suffering? No born place. in a manger. B uh, I don't think he was born in the manger, but <laughs> he was born and put in the manger. Has anybody been in a, a cattle uh, or a uh, an animal shed? Has yes. anybody? Yes. Yeah, I think, Travis, you grew up on a farm, right? So uh, tell me a little bit about a cattle shed where, where they take shelter for the night. What's it like? Well, Derek, growing up on a farm, I can tell you that uh, there, there could have been two circumstances here. And one is, if it was a more of an um, open building with not a lot of animals in there, it could have been cold. That would have been one of the experiences. But actually, when uh, my my siblings, brothers and sisters, and I would um, were in the barn, we would often lay in the manger next to the cows because it was warm. So we didn't see it as suffering, <laughs> uh, but but I don't know what the circumstances were there, but um, it could have been cold, um, and, um, and sometimes it's not real clean. Uh, clean. <laughs> I was going to say, Travis, even if it was warm, 
It smells <laughs> different. Uh, and you know, this, this little baby, this is the Christ child. This is God with us, Emmanuel, who's been lovingly prayed for in his mother's womb as he's developed. I and mean, this is the mystery yeah. of the incarnation, right? God with us. Um, you know, his first odors was not a neatly manicured and uh, deodorized uh, nursery, right, yeah. Billy? Yeah, no, I, while you were talking, I'm thinking of Mary. Mary did not want to have, I don't think Mary wanted to have her first child in a place like this, at least somewhere cleaner, maybe surrounded with families and stuff. So I think even for her, she's looking at the baby saying that, I can't believe, you know, I'm, you know this is where I'm having my first baby. But even for Jesus being in that environment, yes, that was um, unusual. Unusual. Okay, that's a nice way of putting it. It was stinky, uh, okay, and it w probably wasn't that hygienic, but something's going to happen, and I'm going to ask Katie if you would read for us in Matthew chapter 2, because if you carefully examine several weeks have passed, uh, I always thought from the Christmas plays that the wise men showed up at the same time as the shepherds. Not correct. Uh, at least 40 days has passed. The dedication has happened before the wise men show up, uh, and... Uh, well, let's see what happens in that story. Haiti, could you read for us maybe a story that you say, Derek, everybody knows this, but could it be someone's hearing this for the first time today? It's part of the miracle of the birth, not only the miraculous conception of Jesus by the Holy Spirit, but also shepherds receive divine messages through angels. Wise men from the East are given revelation and led by a celestial body uh, right to the place where Jesus is born. Uh, let's pick up the story in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16. Okay, I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, and it says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed, and behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. And when they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. 
Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, flee to Egypt, and stay there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed for Egypt. And there was and was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I called my son. Thank you, Haiti. I, I'd like you to read the whole chapter, but we just want to focus on the first part of that story. Did you notice Sorry. that the wise men came to the house? Mm -hmm. This is not the stable. This is not the stinky location, right? Some time has passed. Not a lot of time, but some time's passed. How do you know, uh, Pedro, that King Herod was lying when he said, uh, when you find him, come and tell me so that I can go and worship him also? How do you know he was lying? Well, he, he, he was trying to get the information because so, he, he's afraid of his kingdom in some ways here. And he goes to the, to the prophets or the Pharisees here, says the, the scribes, to know when would you, the Messiah will come. And he sent to, to kill them afterwards. Oh, thank you. That's the, the, the last sentence there. He sends to kill. And, and, and because he doesn't know which one it is, mm -hmm. he'll kill all of the children, two years and younger. I mean, yeah. this is a mass genocide mm -hmm. uh, that happened. So he had no intention, right? of worshiping the child. No. Now you say, well, Jesus didn't know, um, he didn't know about that. I mean, he was just a few weeks old, you know, babies mm -hmm. don't know very much. So what suffering is he experiencing at this time, Sabina? He doesn't know what's going on, right? He's just a few weeks old. No, no we're not talking, yes. about the, not talking about the eternal son of God, right? But he's now come into humanity, born as a baby. He doesn't know what's going on. How is he suffering during this time? Well, I'm sure that they were suffering, him as a baby, suffering physically because they are being persecuted. They are having to move from a place to another in conditions that are not very nice. So him as a child didn't knew that, but I'm sure that he was already experiencing the pressure and what their, his parents were experiencing. And they were experiencing not only the rejection of their family, potentially, and of loved ones around them, not only poverty, as we saw that they were poor, but also now they are being persecuted and foreigners in another land. All right, I'm going to ask Haiti, because Haiti, you have some little ones, right? They've actually grown. But is it possible that a baby becomes aware of a mother, a nursing mother who's under stress? Is that possible? <laughs> I don't really know, but I, from what I understand, if a, if a nursing mother is under a lot of stress, I think that it can affect the production of, of milk. Um, I would think that the baby, depending on their age, might be able to feel that the mother is, is tense and nervous. But I, I wanted to also say that this is just a, a clear example where the enemy is trying to kill the Messiah. He's trying to eliminate him before he's even had a chance to grow up and go and, and give his life willingly. He's trying to alter the plan of salvation. Very important point. This is almost a warning of suffering that will follow Jesus throughout his whole life, right? Mm -hmm. yep. We're going to go to John chapter 1 and verse 46. And Travis, if you could read that for us in John 1 and verse 46, 
You say, where's the suffering here? Well, let's see what the text says. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. So if you read another place as they're coming back from Egypt, Joseph wants to settle in Bethlehem. But he's told that he needs to go to not stay there because of Archelaus or Archelaus is there and he's very unstable. It's not a safe place. But what's the uh, suffering that Jesus will experience, John, growing up in Nazareth? Mm -hmm. You know, from reading this verse, we see that Nazareth doesn't seem to have a very good reputation. Uh, there is not a very conducive environment uh, for the spirituality of, the, of a child that's growing there. And so Jesus was probably exposed to temptations there, uh, just like any other kids in Nazareth were exposed to. So I don't know where you live in the world. Uh, we're filming in the United States, and we probably could name some cities and say, not the best place to raise children. And maybe in your part of the world, you can say, oh, Derek, I can think of somewhere like that. Uh, Jesus did not grow up in an ideal environment, mm -hmm. uh, so much so that Nathaniel says, I don't think Messiah could come out of a place like that. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, Philip said, come and see. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we're going to go on and look at the life of Jesus. There's so much to cover in this study. But uh, the prophet Isaiah tells us something about how it was for Jesus growing up and beginning his ministry. And I'm wondering if, uh, Sabina, you could read from that prophecy written 700 years before the incarnation of Messiah, Isaiah 53 and verse 3. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not steam him. So do a, do a little scan of the life and ministry of Jesus. Can you think of a time when instead of welcoming, say, Jesus, Savior, that's what your name means, that, that he experienced rejection and suffering? Think of a time. Gladys? Yes, one time he went to his hometown. Mm -hmm. and, Nazareth? In Nazareth, and people, he was preaching in, in the synagogue, and everybody was looking like, wait a minute, this is Joseph's son. We know his mother, we know his family, and they tried to throw him over a cliff. So they did not accept him at all. Uh, we probably had some challenges sharing, but nobody's tried to throw us off the edge of a steep embankment, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. Another example, that's a, a great example in, in uh, Luke chapter 4, yes. You know, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness by the devil. Mm. Uh, those three temptations were pretty powerful. And so that is suffering. It was Satan's direct attack towards Jesus. Sure. Doesn't it say in John 1, 11 that he came to his own? And his, his own, own received did not receive him. They didn't receive him. Can you think of that? That was certainly a demonic uh, rejection, right? But some other time when people didn't accept him, Victor? Yeah, the religious leaders didn't accept That's him. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny we're bringing up his birth, but they brought up his birth and try to misconstrue it. Well, you come from a father who had issues with the mother, and they try to bring it all up to instigate Jesus. And Jesus was always connected to his father. But uh, they were the religious leaders of the time were totally uh, 
uh, the majority of them were rejecting Jesus and didn't want to hear his message. Sure. Yeah, we've, we've got several examples. Travis, you have another example. He, he comes and instead of being welcomed, he, he's come all the way down, Philippians 2, right? Yeah. Right? He emptied himself, comes down into the human family, grows up in a different, difficult environment. Another time when he experienced suffering through rejection. So I think um, one of the hardest things is being rejected by family. And his brothers rejected him. The Bible says, I think of John 7, right at the beginning, um, that they didn't believe in him. And uh, they were trying to encourage him to go to Jerusalem to, to just see what would manifest themselves. And they were struggling with this idea that he could be the Messiah. And, and for your own family to reject you is, is I think, really a hard thing to, to cope with. Mm -hmm. so, so let's look at one example, and I'm going to ask Billy if you'd read for us from uh, Matthew 23, verse 37. How, how did all of this rejection from the people that he came to rescue, how do you think it, it impacted Jesus? Mm -hmm. Let's see what the Bible says in Matthew 23 and verse 37. Sure, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers, how often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Mm. It doesn't, desc it describes how he's feeling, it doesn't state it. What, what emotion do you see there in that, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem? <laughs> How long, Sabina? What, what do you what do you what do you read between the lines in terms of the suffering of Jesus? I hear a lot of sorrow and disappointment. You know, God had elected them, commissioned them for a beautiful mission of being a light to all nations, and then He come to that point in the history of humankind in which He witnessed that all that they have created at that point was a lot of pain for those around them and for them own selves. And uh, instead of growing the knowledge of God, they were actually pointing people to the grave. That's what Jesus says about the Pharisees and uh, some religious leaders, right? So I think that Jesus was really burdened by disappointment, uh, by sorrow. It's just probably like a mother or a father who see their child making poor choices and there's just a limit to what they can do about it. They suffer. Yeah, and someone watching Hope Sabbath School today says, Sabina, you spoke the truth. <laughs> um, when you love someone and they're rejecting your love, I don't know anything more painful than that. Mm -hmm. In fact, a father testified to me recently that the most painful experience of his life was when his son rejected Jesus and walked away from not only Jesus, but from him. I'm praying that's being healed, but, but that's, that's the kind of pain that Jesus suffered. Now, you're saying, Derek, uh, but what about Gethsemane? I mean, it gets more intense, mm -hmm. but I don't want you to think his suffering was only in the garden. Mm -hmm. From the time of his birth and his childhood and teenage years and, and, and young adulthood and beginning his ministry, Suffering and trials uh, are part of his life, right? Yes. Yeah. Some living in a wicked environment, some because the enemy specifically attacking him, 
Jesus was acquainted with sufferings and grief. But I want to take us to the Garden of Gethsemane. And Travis, I'm wondering if you'd read for us Matthew 26, verses 36 through 39. We'll also look at Luke 22. These are synoptic gospels. So they're talking about the same event, but we'll hear it in some different words. First, Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to, his, to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little further and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. So Jesus is suffering in the garden. Now, now Matthew was one of the disciples. He may actually have witnessed that, right? Mm -hmm. He wasn't the, with the close, the, the intimate group, Peter, James, and John, but, but he may have actually witnessed that. Um, but Luke gives us more insights. Now, Luke, was he there? No. 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 How, how did Luke know about what was happening? Well, Luke 1, I think verse 4 says he talked to eyewitnesses, mm -hmm. right? So Gladys, could you read from Luke chapter 22, verses 41 to 44. This is a garden just across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem, where there was a there was a garden there. And let's let's read what it says in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. I'm reading from the New International Version. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Does that sound intense? Yeah. Very. Yeah. And, and tragically, his disciples add to his suffering. <laughs> well, immediately and in some events that will follow, but what immediately... Um, adds to the suffering of Jesus. Does anyone know? John? Instead of praying for him, they were mm -hmm. sleeping sound. We've talked in this series about when I'm going through a trial, when I'm going through suffering, how meaningful it is to have someone come alongside, not say, I can fix it, because they can't, yeah. but to say, I love you and I want to be here with you, mm -hmm. right? And Jesus asked for that, and they're sleeping. Victor? Yeah, and Jesus sets the example for us. When, as we seek to reflect Christ's character and suffering, instead of sleeping at times, we got to need to ask for the Holy Spirit to pray, to surrender our wills like Jesus did, so that we can make it through the trials with Jesus. Mm -hmm. So he's there suffering, and then a band of uh, religious leaders and soldiers come. And let's pick up that story, Sabine, if you could read it for us in Mark 14. Excuse me, in, in Luke 22, verses 47 to 53. Here, Dr. Luke again talked to some eyewitnesses. May have also received some uh, vision or dream. But he's recording in Luke 
22, verses 47 to 53, an additional suffering. Okay, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? When those around him saw what was going to happen, they said to him, Lord, shall we strike with the sword? And one of them struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. But Jesus answered and said, Permit even this. And he touched his ear and healed him. Then Jesus said to the chief priests, captains of the temple, and the elders who had come to him, Have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs? When I was with you daily in the temple, you did not try to seize me, but this is your hour in the power of darkness. Mm. So where do you see some suffering? Well, the most uh, obvious suffering is caused by Judas. By Judas. Yeah. Why did Judas uh, kiss Jesus rather than just saying, there he is right there? And how did that add to the suffering of Jesus? Why do you think he did that? Gladys? I guess he wanted to, that was the code that he gave the, the, the priest, but it's kind of like um, maybe to set Jesus at ease because it was a friend coming close, even though Jesus knew what he was going well, to do. Well, there's all these soldiers and yeah. torches. And what, what do you think, Pedro? I think it was a deceiving aspect. He didn't want to show himself up. Mm-hmm. And so he put himself in a, in a, in a, in a sense, so oh, I'm here, your friend. So the other disciples won't put him on the spot. And also he, he will be neuter on a, on a very tough situation. He had really deceived himself. Yes. I mean, it was obvious he's leading a band of soldiers and re- religious leaders. Yeah. Really, they'll think that he's coming as a friend? Hmm. Billy? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just marveled by Jesus' composure. <laughs> you, you have your disciples deceiving you. You have the soldiers coming to arrest you. And then he's basically still composing himself in that moment not accusing them in terms of um, in a rash way, but still showing love that even after like one of them got his ear cut off, if it was, if it was me, I said, well, you deserved it. <laughs> uh, but you know, he was actually defending the people who were attacking him. And Jesus responds to the... With the ear. And by healing it. Yeah, yeah, by healing right? it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that the action of the it's Peter, actually, we're told, yeah. Who, yeah. who swipes. I don't know if he was aiming for the ear or <laughs> straight for the head, you know. Uh, did that add to the suffering of Jesus, or do you think Jesus just smiled yeah. when he saw uh, this act of aggression? What do you think, Victor? Yeah, of course it added, because that didn't, full, that didn't even represent his kingdom. He was coming to bring a kingdom of peace and love through the power of Jesus, but... Peter came, a fisherman, ready to, ready to swipe at you know, anybody who tried to cause any issues. So it really disappointed Jesus that my disciples really didn't get, after three and a half years, didn't get my mission. Well, he, didn't he tell them to bring a sword? The answer is yes, so that they could see that they would choose not to use it. Mm. <laughs> but Peter's like, I've got one. You know? <laughs> uh, Jesus... Uh, must have wondered, just like when they were squabbling not long before over who would be the greatest, Mm -hmm. how much suffering they were experiencing. Sabina? 
Pastor Derek, I really see here the total disappointment as we were just sharing here, the total disappointment with all the disciples, both the ones that were uh, claiming to be siding with Jesus versus the one that was evidently not willing to be recognized by Jesus as a betrayer, but he was betraying Jesus, which was Judas, right? Trying potentially to deceive Jesus to say, oh, I'm, I'm still with you. Um, but I really think that a big lesson that we can learn from this passage also is that even when we go through suffering, that does not grant us the right to hurt other people. Mm. I think it's true. And too often we see that those who go through trauma and who go through all sorts of difficult uh, seasons in life, they sometimes will try to hide behind their sufferings to point to others and even to hurt other people. And uh, this is a, a, a call to us to... Um, submit ourselves to God and to seek help, uh, counseling, mm. and assistance of others so that we are not going to extend the suffering that we are experiencing to other people around us. Thank you so much for pointing that out, Sabina. I want to look at four short passages without comment, four short passages, and then reflect. We'll have some time for you to reflect because this is... Uh, this is intense suffering. Mm. And yet, as we talked about in a previous study, total surrender mm -hmm. to the will of the Father. Because this is, Father, not my will, but yours be done. So let's look at uh, four passages together. Haiti, if you could read from Luke 22, verses 63 to 65. And uh, we're going to go through without any comment. Uh, Jason, if you would read the next one, Matthew 26. 67, and then I'll give, ask some others to read. But if you could begin for us, Haiti, in Luke 22, 63 to 65. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, Now the men who held Jesus mocked him and beat him, and having blindfolded him, they struck him on the face and asked him, saying, Prophesy, who is the one who struck you? And many other things they blasphemously spoke against him. Thank you. Jason? New King James Version, Matthew chapter 26, 67. Then they spat in his face and beat him, and others struck him with the palms of their hands. Hmm. And then Gladys, if you read uh, Luke 23, 11, and John, if you read John 19, 1 to 3, and then we'll share together. Luke 23, verse 11, Gladys? I'm reading from the New International Version. Then Herod and his soldiers ridiculed and mocked him. Dressing him in an elegant robe, they sent him back to Pilate. And John 19, verses 1 to 3. John 19, verses 1, 2, and 3 from the English Standard Version. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Mm. Wow. So I have a question. What was the most painful aspect of the mockery of a trial that Jesus went through? Was it the spitting? Was it the hitting? Was it the mocking? What would you say was most painful? 
Jason's looking at me like this is a trick question. Jason? <laughs> well, there's a lot here, but I guess for me, I would say it's sort of the rejection of these are the people that he came to save and mm -hmm. the people that he came to save are rejecting him and not just saying not interested. They're directly rejecting him. They're attacking him physically, emotionally. He's under a lot of suffering. Mm -hmm. So it's not just physical suffering. Yeah. You're saying it's emotional suffering too, anguish. Victor? Yeah, just think of it. I mean, Jesus is the creator. He formed man, Adam, in humanity in his own image. And it's almost like the creation is putting to death the creator. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And how could you? How, it's just a mystery that mm -hmm. Jesus loved us so much to lay down his life for each and every one of us. Thank you for sharing that. Travis? You know, Derek, one of the things that really strikes me about all of this since we've begun our study and that just keeps coming to my mind is, what is God the Father going through? Je Jesus says, I and the Father are one. I was just thinking, if I saw somebody doing all this to my wife and I couldn't do anything, it would it would just drive me crazy and and um, it would it would be so painful. So I'm thinking, Jesus is going through, this has got to be terrible. But the God, the Father, is experiencing such intense pain at this time as well, which makes it even worse. I mean, this is this is really a terrible thing. And the Holy Spirit who moved upon Mary so that she conceived and bore a son, and the Holy Spirit who guided Jesus through his ministry as he went out in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, who is also a divine being, is suffering. Mm -hmm. The whole Godhead is suffering here. But, but you know, my favorite book, biography of the life of Jesus. It's called The Desire of Ages. Some of you may have a copy of that. It says that the greatest suffering was not any of the things we've just read, but it was something else. And uh, Pedro, I want you to read for us in Matthew 26, beginning with verse 69. Does anybody know what the greatest suffering was during this mockery of a trial? Well, certainly the religious leaders rejecting the one that, that, that he'd come to save, they're rejecting him. But uh, let's read Matthew 26, beginning with verse 69 through 75. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Now Peter sat outside the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him, saying, You are also with Jesus of Galilee. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you are saying. And when he had gone out to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to, to, uh, to those who were, with, were there, This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But again he denied with a note, I do not know the men. And a little later those who stood by came up and said to Peter, Surely you also were one of them, for your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know the men. Immediately a rooster crow, and Peter remembered the words of Jesus who had said to him, Before the rooster crow, you will deny me three times. So he went out and wept bitterly. Mm. So he's there in the, the, the courtyard of the palace of the high priest. He's seeing what's happening, this mockery of a trial. It, it, is, not, it is not unlikely that Jesus saw him cursing. In mm. fact, in that beautiful biography, The Desire of Ages, it says Jesus looked at him while he was okay. cursing. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the most painful experience for Jesus in this whole ordeal. Now, I just want to ask a challenging question. 
Can you think of a time when you added to the suffering of Jesus by denying him? Hmm. Maybe before classmates or friends or siblings or family members, or maybe it doesn't matter anymore because that time of great suffering is over. Does it still cause pain to the heart of Jesus when those he came to save curse or say, I, I don't even know who he is? Did anybody go through a time like that in your life? Yeah, I know our Hope Sabbath School team of viewers are saying, no, no, not one of the team. I mean, they're just about to get caught up, you know, <laughs> to be with Jesus. But, but we've all had times, perhaps, when we struggle with our walk with Jesus. Victor? Yeah, and, and it's in the midst of that struggle that you see who you really are. Mm. You see who you really are without Jesus. And Peter saw that. Peter, after he says these things, he wept bitterly. And this, God allowed this because this was the process of his conversion experience. Because he wasn't like Judas. Peter actually repents and comes back to Christ. Judas betrays Jesus and ultimately hangs himself. And it's, a, again, we need to choose Jesus mm. through the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and in our lives, we do that when we want sometimes... We're Christians and we say we're Christians and we're disciples, quote unquote, but then we betray him. But there's good news that Jesus is unfailing love uh, when we ask for forgiveness. Beautiful. Yeah. And of course, you can read in John 21 that he's reinstated as a disciple, even though he did not deserve it at all, mm -hmm. because he, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. those lost. who were lost. And, and at that point, cursing and saying, I don't even know him. Uh, Peter's uh, in, in a very sad uh, place in his life. Pedro? Now, I can definitely relate with Peter here. There was a time in my life I was it's in the church, but outside of the church. Like Peter, you're, you, even though you're close to Jesus, you're not next to him. John was close to Jesus. Mm. Peter was just a bystander. Mm. And I was a Christian bystander, and I was doing things that shouldn't have been done. And I, I realized uh, I, I, I was almost being caught. And I realized I needed a savior. And when I pray to God and I bitterly, I say that bitter experience, this is God rescue me. I need to be close to you. Mm. And that's why we see here, not knowing God, knowing God is not enough. You have to have a relationship with him and experiencing the suffering with him helps us to grow closer to him. Mm. Maybe mm -hmm. someone's watching and you say, I just heard what Pedro said, Jesus rescue me. Mm. I need to be close to you. Mm. Uh, it, it's never a hopeless situation if we turn to Jesus mm -hmm. because he loves you with an immeasurable and unfailing love. Well, now we go to the cross mm. and I want to share what I believe is one of the most painful cries of mm. Jesus from the cross. And Gladys, if you could read that for us from Matthew 27, verses 45 and 46. And the Apostle Matthew records... Yes, I'm reading from the New International Version. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabatani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. hmm. Now, Travis, you said earlier that the Father's suffering too, right? And the mm -hmm. Holy Spirit, the Godhead is suffering. God so loved that he gave. Yes. Um, how do you think the Father felt when the Son mm. of God, who's come into humanity to save people, most of whom don't want to be saved, mm. how do you think the Father felt, Travis, when Jesus uh, 
incarnate Son of God cried that cry from the cross? Well, Derek, um, I just know what it's like to lose a loved one. You know what I mean? And um, when there's nothing you can do, that's the, the, there's this almost helpless cry that comes from the cross and uh, from the lips of Jesus. And that's the thing I think that just touches my heart. It's like, it's helpless, but yet in it is mixed uh, the love for humanity because he was willing to do that just for me and and um, and for each and every person watching. And that's the intense suffering of being separated from from someone that you from eternity past that you've had a direct con um, intimate connection with uh, just so that I could have eternal life is something I, I, I'll never understand. And I, and it just um, it touches my heart. Mm. And, you know, in that same book that I really like on the life of Jesus, The Desire of Ages, you remember the Bible records that darkness covered the land there from mm -hmm. the sixth to the ninth hour. Yeah. In Desire of Ages, it says the Father came near mm -hmm. in the darkness. Mm -hmm. The Father was right there. Yeah. God so loved the world. The Father's right there in the midst of this anguish. And, and what is it that's causing this barrier that the Son of God has never experienced in all eternity with the Father. What's causing that barrier, Gladys? Well, Jesus is carrying the weight of the sin of the world. So sin is separating him from the Father, even though it was not his own sin, but it was our sin. So that was the prophecy him. of Isaiah 700 years before that, that Messiah would be wounded for, for our, our sins, iniquities and yes. bruised for our transgressions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, it was upon him. All we like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord laid on yeah, him yeah. the iniquity of oh, us all. That cry. But I just have to give you some good news today. <laughs> and uh, Haiti, I'll take your comment. And then Sabina, I'd like you to read something good that happens because even in his suffering, Jesus is the Savior of the world. So mm -hmm. Haiti, your comment first. I just think that it's just so important to realize that we also have moments when we just feel like we're completely alone and no one sees you or hears your your groanings and your crying. And I think it's important and so beautiful what you just pointed out that even though he felt that way, and we feel like that sometimes, God the Father is never apart from us. He never leaves us. He's right there. It, it might feel like you're completely un alone and and shrouded in darkness, but you're not. He's right there, and he's going to bring you out of it. Thank you so much. I, I heard that in your words and also with your heart. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. Mm. Sabina, something amazing happens even mm. while Jesus is suffering and, and, and offering himself as, as the Savior of the world, a demonstration of the immeasurable and unfailing love of God. In Luke chapter 23, again, Luke, not there, but talks to eyewitnesses, Luke 23. If you could read verse 34 and then 39 to 43, something amazing happens that, that reveals the love of, God, of Jesus in the midst of the suffering. I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots. And then verse 39 to 43 says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, saying, If you are the Christ, 
save yourself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Mm. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you'll be with me in paradise. So it seems to me that the dying thief heard what Jesus said a, a little few minutes before, which was what? Forgive them. Forgive Father, them. forgive them. And this dying thief wanted to be forgiven. <laughs> he can't raise his hand, right? Yeah. I don't know if they were also nailed, but nailed or tied or both to the cross. He can't raise his hand, but he can call out still yes. in the last strength, Lord, remember me. Mm -hmm. Right. And Jesus shows the immeasurable, unfailing love of God, but not just there. Travis, could you read for us from John 19 verses 26 and 27? Jesus, the dying Savior, is continuing to show the immeasurable, unfailing love of God to all who are willing to receive it. Mm -hmm. mm. How many of those dying thieves did Jesus want to save that day? Mm. Mm -hmm. Both of them, right? Yeah. yeah. And by the way, both of them had been cursing. Mm -hmm. But then one heard, Father, forgive them. Travis, what does it say in John 19 and verse 26 and 27? And I'm reading from the New King James Version. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. Mm. So where do you see the love of, of God revealed in that interaction, Sabina? That interaction. <laughs> when he says, woman, behold your son, is he saying, mother, behold John? Or is he saying, mother, keep looking to me in faith? What do you think? Pastor Derek, I think you, it's wonderful this question you're making. I think it, it has a double sense even. I think he is inviting them to continue looking at him, but at the same time, he's providing care for his mother. So uh, it goes back to that point I had made. Uh, it's just outstanding how Jesus, even in the midst of suffering, he's able to extend that care and have a loving attitude, even when all around him, all sorts of sufferings are reaching out to him. He keeps his heart untouched and he's able to extend love even in its of suffering, which is Amen. powerful. And he's going to see his mother after he's raised from the dead, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I just imagine, you know, they're, they're that, that loving embrace yes. because he's both her savior, but he's also her son. Mm -hmm. You know, the Apostle Paul reflecting on the sufferings of Christ, writing to Christians in Philippi. I'm going to ask Jason if you'd read uh, the last passage for us from Philippians 3, 7 through 11. I'd like to hear how he reflects, and then I want to hear how you reflect on all that Jesus was willing to suffer, all the trials he'd go through to save you so you can be with him forever. Jason? New King James says, Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 11, But what things were gained to me, these things I've counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things loss, for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, 
not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I imagine Paul saying that with a lot of enthusiasm, just like Jason read it. <laughs> Give me one sentence that you would respond to all that Jesus was willing to suffer and go through for your salvation. One sentence. Gladys? Thank you for going with me through the suffering. All right. Someone else. One sentence. Haiti? I just feel just so unworthy mm. for everything he's done. And I, I also say thank you. All right. I'm going to give one word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But someone else. Uh, one sentence, John. You know, thank you for the love that was shown. Mm. Thank you for the love that was shown. And that's the message that God so loved the world that he gave mm -hmm. his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, Jesus, will you save me? Amen. Will you forgive me of my sins, cleanse me, and give me the joy of your salvation now and forever? And the Savior will say, come, mm. come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Would you accept that today? Is there someone today? And you'll say, Jesus, will you save me? Mm. I don't want what you went through to be for nothing for me. Yes. Will you save me today? Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, someone today is raising his hand. Someone today is raising her hand and saying, Jesus, be my Savior. Amen. And we'll meet them before the throne of God. And I pray you'd bless them and keep them close to you now and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this series. A wonderful Savior is Jesus, our Lord. Trust him every day. Walk with Him every day until the glorious day when you see Him face to face. And right now, go out and be a blessing to those around you.